weekend. Are you enjoying it so far? Well, you know what that means. It means all of us are celebrating her birthday, right? And that's what we're doing is after dinner, we're going to talk about what we appreciate about Queen Victoria, right? No, that's not what we're going to do. Actually, it's a great weekend for people to go camping. And uh, we have a number of people in our church that I, that I know are camping, and uh, I think most of them are probably at our church camp, Camp Armatten, uh, 22 kilometers west of Olds. And uh, I, I could tell you, though, for me, um, I would uh, actually rather be in church. In fact, I would rather be anywhere than camping, to be honest with you. Um, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't quite get it. But... Um, Anyway, speaking of the outdoors, uh, I did a wedding earlier this week, so my wife and I celebrated our 47th wedding anniversary on Tuesday, May 17th, and uh, there was a couple in our church, and I'm going to keep it a secret for now, um, who have some family members here today. Uh, I did their wedding at uh, Two Jack Lake near Banff, and some of you may have been there, but it was uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. And so, uh, anyway, early morning, really early morning to rise, six o'clock in the morning, it was about minus one and a little bit overcast and a little bit of a breeze and uh, it, it was really cold. And so uh, it was a wonderful day though, but I would rather be anywhere than out there at that time of day, I'll tell you that. Um, so for this young couple though that got married, that represented a transition uh, in their lives from single adulthood to married life. Um, and no doubt it was a big transition, I know it was, for the family members as well, uh, celebrating that event. So transitions like that are often bittersweet. Uh, there are times of celebration, but sometimes they're mixed with a little bit of sadness. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, because these rites of passage that we celebrate also represent the end of one leg of the journey of our lives. And it's the same in organizations when it happens. It's the same in, in businesses um, and in churches. Now, with my retirement looming, uh, First Church is in the midst of a transition to find a new lead pastor for the church, which hasn't been finally decided yet. Um, and that presents a new level of uncertainty for the church. Um, and so, um, I'm retiring, and um, my last official Sunday is June the 5th uh, as lead pastor. Uh, not planning on going anywhere, uh, still plan to be an active part of the congregation, but um, so it's been interesting. I've taken a number of vacations um, over the years as a pastor, and uh, being a pastor, you can't just walk away. You know, I can't just like, you know, work till five o'clock and then the next day I go on vacation. There's a whole bunch of stuff before I can go away for three weeks or so. And I, there's just things I got to get done and, and make sure things are going to be okay when I'm gone for three weeks. And so people will say that the week before you go on a vacation will be one of your most productive weeks in the year. Ever heard that before? It's really one of your most productive weeks. You get a lot, you check a lot of boxes. And uh, so you can imagine how productive I've been since I announced my retirement six months ago. Like, there's lots of boxes. My wife knows I have got about a five-page um, uh, bulleted list of things I want to accomplish before I'm done. 
and there's church things, and then there's domestic household things. And that list, I've, and I've just, it's so much fun just to check those boxes. Uh, and every day I try to check at least one box and say, that's done. But then along the way, other things get added to it. So anyway, that's not so much fun. Um, so I am looking forward to retirement. And one of the things I'm looking forward to um, is um, getting to know my new Apple Watch 7. There you go. Last Sunday, the Sudanese congregation, uh, at w- which I preach at occasionally, um, and they're a part of us, uh, they meet at one o'clock in the afternoon. They said, hey, we'd, we'd like you to preach and we'd like you to, we'd like to do a party. And I said, okay, great. And then have a meal and it was great. Uh, but they really, really blew me away when they, they gave me this. And I didn't even know what it was at first. But it's an Apple Watch 7. And folks, if you, this thing can... I mean, it can almost like make breakfast. It does so much stuff and it's paired with my phone. Like it's, and it can do all the health checks like your blood pressure and your heart rate. And you I mean, it's unbelievable. So retirement, I, I could just spend so much time playing with that thing, but, uh, but that's not all. So um, I'm not retiring because I'm tired. Or I'm not retiring, and I'm not retiring because I feel like uh, I'm too old and irrelevant. I, I okay, um, and it's not because I think I can now spend the rest of my days relaxing and having a blast while I last, like this couple. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, it's not that we'll never do that kind of thing, but I don't think Colleen would be on the back with me. I'll tell you that. Um, but the reason I'm retiring is because I believe it's time. And uh, it's just time. It's time for new leadership. It's time for a fresh approach. And that's really the reason I'm doing it. I just want to get out of God's way and then let him use me um, in different capacities rather than as a lead pastor. So I'm looking forward to serving as a volunteer under someone else's authority. And I am looking forward to not having to shoulder all the responsibilities of being the lead pastor. I really am. There's a lot of stuff that goes along with that, and there's a lot of pressure. So I'm looking forward to giving up uh, most of that. Um, So about two years ago, I started to signal um, to the leadership of the church, the board and the staff that we had at that time, that my retirement was imminent. Um, And then last November, uh, so about six months ago, I announced my retirement to the congregation, uh, which was giving them quite a bit of notice, about a half a year, because I wanted to make the transition as um, smooth as possible to give people a chance uh, to get used to the changes that were going to take place and to position First Church for a strong future. Uh, quite often, it's disruptive. You know, when, when if, if a person, you know, it could be a CEO of, of a multinational corporation or it could be something as, you know, like a pastor of a local church. But when, when, when someone's been there, I've been here for 14 plus years, it can be quite disruptive. Um, and I wanted to really give the church time uh, to acclimate to that. So that late led to a number of key decisions. Um, and one of them was the formation of our succession planning committee that Dale Perry very graciously uh, chaired and did some really good work with that committee. That was started about two years ago. Uh, last December, we started the search committee when after I retired 
uh, announced my retirement and we formed a transition team to help us through the transition. Um, and so all of that took place. So this is really my second last sermon uh, as lead pastor. And uh, my last sermon is gonna be on June the 5th. Uh, and I said to the group, we, had a, we always have a team meeting around 9.30 and I said, I'm gonna just do a 10 minute sermon. And Ryan Sia, who led worship, threw down the gauntlet and he said, yeah, right, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes. And I said, okay, I'm gonna get even with you. I'm gonna go nine minutes. So, uh, and I'm sure that there's gonna be timers going off after nine minutes on, on that day. But anyway, so the question is, what's next? What's next? You've seen that image of a highway. Uh, what's next? What's off? in the future. What's left to be done uh, at First Church? What should First Church continue doing uh, or stop doing, uh, but maybe continue doing that we're doing now? What opportunities lie before us? There are doors of opportunity. And I believe that there's a wide open door now with me getting out of the way. I really do. I think, look at this image. I, I, this image really grabbed me. That could be the future. Uh, we have to go through that door, but it's uncertain. So anyway, to help answer some of those questions, I want us to turn again to that passage that uh, Pastor Trent read for us today, found in Acts chapter 20. Uh, in this passage, the Apostle Paul gives the elders or the shepherds of the church three imperatives, okay? He says, keep watch, over yourselves and over God's church. He says, shepherd God's church. And then he says, be on your guard against the savage wolves. That's kind of a metaphor for bad people who try to work their way in. So this is what shepherds do. When you shepherd a congregation, you watch over the congregation and you stand guard. Be on your guard is what he says. So we as shepherds are called, I as a pastor, I am called to keep watch over my own soul. That's my first priority. That's what I spoke about last Sunday. Today, I want to focus on the second part of that, which is watch over God's church. Now, I want to say this. This is the responsibility of every individual Christian. If you're sitting here today and you're not on the church board or you're not a pastor or you're not a leader in the church or don't think of yourself that way, it is still your responsibility. It's the responsibility of every Christian. We are all part of God's body, I mean Christ's body, the body of Christ. And all of us must watch over our own souls first, but also watch over the souls of others and take care of God's church. And so this is what it says in Acts 20, 28. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. In other words, take care of God's church. That's what I'm gonna leave with you, just basically. Take care of yourselves, but also take care of God's church. Now notice, I'm saying take care of whose church? It's not your church. And it's not my church. And guess what? You're not my flock. You're his flock. You're his people, not mine. It's God's church, not ours. 
This is what he says in Acts 20, 28, same passage. He says, be shepherds, or actually the word is shepherd in the Greek language, just shepherd the church of God. Shepherd the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He's saying, the Lord coming to the world in the person of Jesus Christ, he shed his blood, he died on the cross for his church. He said, he paid a dear price. Take care of this church. It is everybody's responsibility. So here's a question I want to ask you. Does God really care about what goes on here? I mean, come on. I mean, does God, I mean, there's, there's stuff going on globally. There's a war in Ukraine. There's the economy. There's, you know, COVID. And now there's the monkey flu. And... Uh, Come on, does, does God really care about First Church of the Nazarene? How many of you think, yes, who said that? Terry Mahar, thank you. He does, you know what, the Bible makes it clear, Jesus made it clear that God cares about the birds and the lilies of the field and all that. He cares about, he said, how much more does he care about you? And how much more would he care about his church? his people as a community, as a collective, how much more does he care? Because he shed his blood for his church. He does care about Revelation chapter two and three. So Revelation, the book of Revelation, last book of the New Testament, there's a letter, seven letters that are written to seven different local churches. Jesus stands among those churches and he has some good things to say and some not so good things. And even if we are not a good church, even if we're a disobedient church, even if we're a rebellious church, we are still his church. Just like your kids, they may rebel, they may have a snotty attitude, but they're still your kids. We are his church and he cares about First Church of the Nazarene. So we shouldn't trivialize that. Um, so there really is really no church. Like we talk about the church universal, which is like all Christians everywhere, even those who've died and even those not yet born. It's just sort of a sort of that sort of sense of the church. But this is really the real church. And God cares. So to answer the question of what's next, what does the Lord want for us and what is he asking of you and me? By the way, do you notice I said us? Going forward, you're saying, well, Brian, you're retiring. What do you mean us? I'm not, I'm not planning on going, calling. Are we planning on going to the church down the road? We're not planning on doing that. It's not now. We're not planning on moving to another city. Uh, and if you'll put up with us, um, we'd love to stay and volunteer and uh, just be involved here. And so I'm talking to myself as well. So let's go back to that passage in Acts chapter 20. Let's keep looking at this to see what we can learn from the Apostle Paul's parting words to the elders, the shepherds in the city of Ephesus. First of all, the first thing we learn from Paul is he was faithful to the message. He was faithful to the message, to God's word, and not just the written word, but to anything that God might want to say to his people in real time. Paul reminds the elders of Ephesus about his devotion and sacrifice. Take a look at this. This is Acts 20, verses 18 and 19, and I think it should come up on the screen there. 
Look, it says, when they arrived, uh, they arrived at, at Miletus, okay? The elders left Ephesus, and they, there was a meeting point, right? A meeting place. And he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. He said, okay, think about it, folks. Remember how I lived when I was among you. Okay, then he goes on to say this. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. So Paul is reminding them that he was faithful. He's saying to that. Now, this is his farewell message. One thing we know about Paul is that he labored for the church intensely, intensely. I mean, he didn't leave anything on the field. It, it, he was all in all the time. Um, here's a passage from Colossians chapter 1, and I love this one. I've memorized this because I love it so much. And it's talking about Jesus Christ. And it says, He is the one, Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect or mature or complete in Christ. And then notice this last verse. To this end, what end? That everyone would be a mature disciple of Jesus Christ. That on that day when we stand before God, we'll stand before him complete. He said, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ is so powerfully working in me. I'm contending strenuously with everything I've got to this end. He's reminding the elders in Ephesus about his ministry, that he was faithful to the message. He never quit. Even when the going got tough and there was opposition and there was intense persecution, he didn't bolt, he stuck it out. And it's hard to find leaders like that today. A lot of time, leaders in business and in church, they're there, they're fair weather. They're there when it's going good, but when it's not going so good, they, they duck out. Paul never quit. He was willing to endure deprivation, uh, hunger, hardship, suffering, and all of that for the sake of Christ and the gospel. And that, folks, when you do that, that's a mark of humility. We, we often think humility is, is sort of like, well, I don't think too much of myself, you know? And, and it's so much more than that. Humility is saying, I am willing to endure whatever I need to endure for God's truth, for his mission, for his people. And I am willing to make whatever sacrifice is laid upon me. Think about President Zelensky in the Ukraine. That, folks, is leadership. And that's some kind of humility to say, I, you know, I'm not going to live in the palace when the people are suffering. I'm going to lead by example. And that's what Paul's doing, and he's reminding them of that. And so he, he didn't leave any stone unturned in his preaching. And, and notice what he says. Look at verses 20 and 21. This is still Acts 20. He says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. But I taught you publicly and from house to house. He said, I declare to both Jews and Greeks that they must repent and turn to Jesus. 
He said, I, I didn't leave anything out because it was hard or because I wanted to be popular. He proclaimed the truth. He gave everything he had. And so he says in verse 26, he says, therefore I declare to you today, listen to this phrase, he says, I am innocent of the blood of all people. Isn't that a weird expression? I'm innocent of the blood of all people. Where that comes from is Ezekiel chapter 37, or <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 3, where God says to the people and to the prophet, he says this. He said, if you see a person in being wicked and being evil, you need to warn them. If you do not warn them, their blood is on your head. But he said, if you warn them and they refuse to change, their blood is on their own head. That's a very Jewish expression. And what Paul was saying is, I, 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 I left it all out in the field. I didn't hold back. I spoke the truth. I didn't deprive you of anything God wanted me to teach or preach. And so I'm innocent of the blood of all people. And so Paul is, 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 was uh, the epitome of a, of a humble leader, uh, and he realized that he was a servant. Um, the Apostle Paul referred to himself as a servant. Uh, he knew he was a son of God, a child of God, but he, he referred to himself as a servant, and that word in the Greek is doulos, it means slave. And he always called himself that. And, and the fact is, he knew that he was a servant of another, Jesus Christ. Guess what? Uh, God calls pastors and every Christian to serve, to be servants, to walk in humility. And so because, the, because Paul knew that he was serving Jesus and he was commissioned by Jesus and was his ambassador, he couldn't just cherry pick the Bible. He, he couldn't just sort of say what he wanted to say. It was always like, Lord, what do you want to say through me? And I hope I've done that. So here's the takeaway for us. Be faithful to the message, folks. Be faithful to the message, to God's word. That's why we're here, is to proclaim it boldly and without shame. The second thing we learn about the Apostle Paul is he did keep watch over God's church. Um, and that's what shepherds do, is they keep watch over the sheep. Notice verses 28 to 31 here. This is his, what he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, right? Be shepherds, he said. And then verse 29, he says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in and will not spare the flock. He's saying, now keep watch because you know what? There's people that will infiltrate the body of Christ and they're dangerous. He said, even from your own number, people will arise and distort the truth. And see, he says in verse 31, so be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day with tears. Shepherds keep watch. What they do is they tend the flock, they care for the flock, they feed the flock, they protect the flock, they lead the flock. John chapter 10, I, I know this is a passage that many of you are familiar with, um, but these are the words of Jesus where he talks about the good shepherd. And Jesus is using this metaphor. He says this in John chapter 10. 
He said that the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep listen to his voice. And he said, he calls his sheep by name and leads them out to green pastures. That's what shepherds do. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd and they follow. Shepherds are to serve the flock, watch out for their best interests, lead them into green pastures, but not lord it over. Like, I'm the boss, listen to me, no. There's no room in the church for autocratic leaders who serve only themselves um, and rule over the people with an iron fist. What a shepherd does, a shepherd does not stand over people and bark out orders. A shepherd walks ahead of the people and says, come, follow me as I follow Christ. Take a look at this image. I, this image really says it. Like, there's Jesus, there's the sheep, and they follow, they feel safe with him at the front. That's how we're to lead. Uh, one verse I love, it's the very last verse of Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 72. It says this about King David. It says, and David shepherded them, the people, with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. That's how he led. He was an example of that. So that's the second thing. That's the second thing for us, is keep watch over God's church. Be faithful to his message and keep watch over his church. But here's what it's gonna take. And this is the third thing and the last thing. Paul laid down his life for the mission. He laid down his life for the mission. Uh, figuratively, through suffering and all that, but also literally, uh, he died as a martyr. He laid down his life. He was willing to suffer and sacrifice for the sake of God's call. How about you and me? Are we willing to sacrifice? Because we believe it's that important. Look at verses 22 to 24. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Now, he, he's leaving Jerusalem. I mean, he's leaving Miletus, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. And like Jesus before him, he feels compelled. And this is what he says. This is what he says. Is it going to come up on the screen there? Okay. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit. Why is he going to Jerusalem, folks? Because he's compelled by the Spirit. He says, compelled by the Spirit of God, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. All I know is that the Holy Spirit keeps warning me that prison and hardships are facing me there. However, what does it matter? He says, because he says, my life means nothing to me. My life. This life in the body means nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He literally was willing to lay down his life because he was compelled by the Spirit of God. Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus came from heaven to earth knowing 
that his destiny was a cross. Torture, humiliation, and excruciating death. That's what it says in Philippians 2, where it says he humbled himself, Jesus, to the point of death on a cross, and so God exalted him. We're all called to that. It's not just for pastors or leaders. And so, as the elders in Ephesus face this major transition, you know, Paul's leaving, and he's reminding them, be faithful to the teaching, to the message. Watch over God's flock and be willing to lay down your lives because it's that important. And as they're facing this major tr transition, they're confronted with an uncertain future. And there's this image here of uh, what somebody came up with is the four stages of transition. And here's what they look like. This is one model is, you know, um, from what was to what will be, there's anticipation, there's an ending of one phase of the journey, then there's this passage of time, this journey, and then there's a new normal, hopefully a new normal. So these final reminders and these words of encouragement from the Apostle Paul were meant to inspire them to journey through the chaos, face their fears, look ahead to the possibilities, and to build on his foundation, the foundation he laid, and to finish the work he started. So as I step away from the leadership of this church, here's a few takeaways that I want to leave with you. First of all, you know this one. This goes back to Acts 20, 28. Okay? Take care of yourself your own soul first. That's your first priority. Because if you put the oxygen mask on yourself, and that oxygen mask is everything that God has given you, his word, the power of prayer, his people to surround you with encouragement and love and so on. Take care of your own soul. Spend time with God every day and learn what it means to be, become more like Jesus. Then take care of God's church. And do that out of devotion for Christ. He shed his blood. Take care of his church. We all have a responsibility. And that means being faithful to his message. It means keeping watch over his people. And it means laying down your life for the mission, whatever it takes. And I'm going to add something else. Walk in humility before God and one another and lead with humility. The greatest leaders in the world, and books are written about it, are women and men who led with humility. So for me, retirement, I hope I'm drawing from Philippians chapter one, I hope it's going to mean fruitful labor for me. <laughs> Serving under someone else's authority. I want to be faithful to God's word. I want to continue to keep watch over his flock. I want to lay down my life for his mission. And I want to lead, I want to walk with humility. I hope I could be an example of that for, for you. Um, I hope that I will be fruitful in my retirement years. 
I want to continue to volunteer. You know, because of uh, with my looming retirement, I've had this real <laughs> deep sense of urgency, and I've talked to Trent about this. I've just like I've had this sense of urgency. There's lots to get done, like this checklist I talked about. There's lots to get done, and people might think, "Well, you're retiring, so can't you just coast it to the end?" And no, is intensely busy because I want to leave the church positioned well for God's future. So my plan after retirement is, one is, um, and this is not an order of priority, is to figure out the features of my new Apple Watch 7. Uh, actually, no, I just added that anyway. Um, but another one is uh, I, I hope to sleep better at night. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, I wake up uh, I, in the middle of the night either worrying about um, maybe our kids uh, or worrying about the church, seriously. And I know I shouldn't, but I do. And I got to get up and read my Bible and pray and then try to get back to sleep. I hope I can sleep better at night. Um, I, a major goal for me is I want to grow deeper in Christ. Because uh, it isn't just about doing, it's about being. I want to be conformed. And just like this, I, my spiritual growth, uh, I hope I can grow even deeper. Uh, in my retirement years. I, I want to be a better man. I want to be a better Christian, a better husband, a better father, a better grandfather, um, a better role model to grow in Christ. Who I am is more important than what I do. Amen? And I want to continue being active as well and fruitful in ministry, serving as a volunteer. Um, and I want to make God smile. You want to make God smile? Live in a way that makes him smile so he can be pleased with you. So here's the plan. After taking a hiatus for a few months, everybody says I should probably not at least come on Sunday mornings for a while um, just to give you guys a chance to not have me around and <clears throat> me interfering. Um, uh, I do plan to return as a volunteer and uh, in ministry, and I'm not sure where those areas will be, uh, but I'm already doing work for Canada West District for the three provinces uh, in the area of evangelism, discipleship, and church planting, and I hope to really wrap that up when I'm retired to have more time and energy for that. Um, and so I just hope that each one of us will remember those words of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20. Be faithful to God's message. Keep watch over God's flock, over his church. And lay down your lives for the mission of God. Walk in humility. Lead with humility.